Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S. From KQED. Hey, what's up? It's Devin. Just with a quick warning for this episode, there are sounds of violence involving police and people who were seriously injured or ended up dying. There was a police chase in Sonoma County last week involving a Petaluma man who police thought was driving a stolen car. Well, it turns out that the car was his, but the man, David Ward, was pulled over anyway. He wrestled with police and was put in a neck hold. A little while later, Ward was dead. What makes these carotid holds so controversial? Um, The fact that they are easy to get wrong. And if they slip into a chokehold, it can be deadly. We don't know if Ward's death was related to the neck hold. We're still waiting on an autopsy for that. But this week, we learned that the Sonoma County deputy that put him in that hold has lied about using these controversial restraints before. Today, why these types of police holds are so controversial and what happens to officers when these neck restraints go wrong. I'm Devin Kadiyama. Welcome to The Bay. David Glenn Ward, uh, this 52-year-old from Petaluma, police say had reported his car stolen three days before this incident. Suki Lewis covers criminal justice for KQED. An off-duty detective from Santa Rosa notified dispatch that he saw this vehicle around the area of Fry Road in Sebastopol. This deputy from the Sonoma County Sheriff's Department is the closest officer, and he responds and tries to pull the car over. Ward at first pulls over and then leads police on a car chase. Two Sebastopol officers and this um, fourth officer, Deputy Charles Blount, arrive at the scene. It's not clear how the chase comes to an end. That is still a bit unclear. And then the, the officers approach the car and they say, you know, tell Ward to show his hands, to um, open the car door. And apparently he was not responding to it. He raised his hands at one point and then they went back down. Again, this is all according to police. He does roll down the window of his car, the driver's side window. And that's when officers start trying to like, get him out of the car through the window. They report using their, you know, weapons on him and striking him, trying to use a taser on him. All of this is unsuccessful in getting him to comply. This is when Deputy Charles Blount reaches through the window of the car and tries to apply a carotid hold on him. Another officer breaks the passenger side window. They pull David Ward out of the car and handcuff him. Minutes later, they realize that he's not breathing. They start CPR, 
call for medical help, and later Ward is pronounced dead at a local hospital. The results of the autopsy have yet to be released, so we'll see kind of what comes out of that. We still don't know whether the neck hold that Charles Blount used um, on David Ward led to his death. I know you're still awaiting the autopsy for that. But we wanted to talk about this specific police tactic that became widely known in 2014 after Eric Gardner was put into a, a neck hold and ultimately died. What, what is this kind of police tactic actually called? Because I've heard it called a few things. Yes, and the terminology around it actually leads to some of this confusion because there is a chokehold, which is often you'll see in MMA or stuff like that where you just kind of do an arm bar across the throat, take Uh someone down, um, and there's a carotid hold. And that's also called a vascular neck restraint. And that's kind of the medical term, and that's the preferred term for professionals um, because you're not trying to do a chokehold. You're not trying to block the airway of the individual because that is incredibly dangerous and can lead to death. A carotid hold is the restriction of the carotid arteries that allow blood to flow to the brain. And it's kind of called a sleeper hold. Like you'll see it sometimes in movies, you know, where they use the hold and then the person like goes Uh limp and starts snoring. So it's a different mechanism that's that's being worked on in the body. Non-lethal, essentially. Yes. The goal is for it to be non-lethal. To the untrained eye, it probably looks pretty darn similar, like those two holds. It it can look similar, and often the only evidence that you have that the move is a choke hold and not a carotid hold is in the physiological effects in the body. So okay. if you find a, you know, an individual who has a crushed windpipe, for example, right. that is pretty clear evidence that a choke hold was used, not a carotid hold. What makes these carotid holds so controversial? Um, The fact that they are easy to get wrong. And if they slip into a chokehold, it can be deadly. I think the Eric Garner case really brought this kind of very national attention to it. It was the subject of debate before, but then it became this really huge national kind of conversation about whether these chokeholds should be allowed We know Blount has used this type of neck restraint before. He used a neck hold like this on a woman um, who he was trying to arrest for jaywalking back in 2015 and actually slammed her to the ground and then lied about it in court, was asked directly, did you do this neck hold, said no. Um, And then the defense attorney in that case played a video that a bystander had taken that really clearly shows him wrapping his arm around this woman's neck and slamming her to the pavement. And how did you find that out? So I got this information from a defense attorney and civil rights attorney who is active in Sonoma County, reached out to him to see, you know, if he had any knowledge about this deputy because there were, I, you know, was just doing kind of a background search on, on Mr. Blount and found that a number of lawsuits had been filed against him in federal court. And so I was just trying to get a sense of him and and if there were issues with him using neck restraints before. 
Deputy Blount is as dishonest a cop as he is a violent one. That's a horribly dangerous combination. And so this defense attorney who had represented the woman um, who had been held in a, in a neck restraint by Mr. Blount um, told me about what had happened in 2015 and sent me the video of the incident. They just slammed her. Yeah. I know you're also part of the California Reporting Project, which is this group of reporters from around the state digging into all these records that have been closed for decades but are now public for the first time. What have you learned by looking at these records uh, about these types of neck holds? We had gotten a couple of cases that appeared deadly or were deadly that involved um, the use of the carotid hold or what they were calling a carotid hold. One was in Antioch and one was in the neighboring town of Pittsburgh. But there was evidence in the autopsy and also, you know, evidence from officers' own mouths in one of the cases that it was they themselves were confused about whether they had used a carotid hold or a choke hold. And the departments had not done any kind of internal investigation to see if policies had been violated to basically determine if those officers had done the hold correctly or to refer them for further training if they had not done them correctly. And so that was kind of stunning. Like someone dies yeah. after a, a very controversial you know, technique that's the subject of national debate. And the you know, police department basically goes, oh, seem, seems fine. And let's move along. So what happened to Deputy Blount after he lied in court in 2015 about the neck restraint incident? Well, the judge felt like there was enough kind of evidence of his dishonesty to recommend um, or direct the district attorney to place him on this list of officers with Brady issues. But it's unclear if the district attorney ever did that. The Brady list that Suki mentioned is this list of police officers who are considered not trustworthy as witnesses. And if a police officer can't be a witness, that takes away a lot of their law enforcement power when they're called to the stand to help prosecute somebody. From what we have seen from the Sonoma County Sheriff and our request to them for any disciplinary files, so far we have received no um, evidence that he was ever disciplined by the Sonoma County Sheriff. Um, he you know, remained active member of the force. He was involved in an officer-involved shooting in 2017 that was non-fatal. And he has been you know, involved in a number of other kind of uses of force, uh, some that resulted in monetary settlements for people who filed lawsuits against the county and, you know, named him in the suit. This discussion about whether carotid holds should be used at all is a very active one, even within Sonoma County, where this oversight body, you know, just came out with their findings, recommendations on Tuesday saying that they think that this hold should be should be banned. So it's this very active discussion across the country and here in Sonoma County. And, you know, we'll see if the sheriff takes up that recommendation. A bill passed this year that was backed by law enforcement promises more money and more police training for things like de-escalation and implicit bias. But some advocacy groups say it's not just about better training. 
but about accountability for when police officers are caught doing something wrong. Suki Lewis covers criminal justice for KQED. The Bay was produced this week by Marisol Medina Cadena and Erica Cruz Guevara. KQED's leadership team includes Julie Kane, Vinnie Tong, Ethan Lindsay, and Holly Kernan. I'm Devin Kadiyama. That's it for The Bay. Talk to you next week. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. You get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.